Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What's going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Wyndham Championship. As usual, I am here with everyone's favorite co-host, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how you doing? Doing good, Kenny. Another good week of golf. We'll get into it in a second. First off, just want to remind everybody this podcast is sponsored by Roto-Grinders. You can head on over to rotogrinders.com slash DGEN. Use that link. Get $10 off your first month, or you can get $50 off the annual. So, uh, good week, Kenny. Good week of golf. We're going to get into a lot of it here. But what did you think of the first major? First major uh, back. I, that was pretty incredible. That was a pretty incredible Sunday. Uh, first off, I was a little pissed off on the first couple of days uh, because I thought the course really wasn't playing at a major championship level. Uh, Harding Park, I mean, it ended up being great. I think it got more difficult on the weekend. And on Sunday, you know, you sort of want to see more birdies. I think that's the way to set it up. Uh, but like the first couple of days, I was like, man, you know, like Rose hit like four fourteen fairways and shot sixty six. Uh, the next day, I forget who it was, but they hit. Oh, it was, I think it was Hal Tong hit four fourteen fairways and shot sixty five. I mean, for for some reason, I just don't think that should ever happen uh, at a major. So I was a little pissed off the first couple of days, but the weekend, I feel like Saturday got a little bit more tougher. Um, you know, they did they let the rough grow uh, a little bit, and then Sunday came. And man, what a great great Sunday uh so many guys on that leaderboard going up and down and you know until Morikawa hit quite possibly one of the five best shots like non-putts at a major ever that shot on 16 to an almost a 300 yard par four driving that green to seven feet I mean that's gonna go down in history you will see that every year 
Um, every time Morikawa is going to play the PGA Championship, which he can play for life now uh, since he won, just the stones on that kid, the maturity of, you know, I don't even know it's growth. I think it's just always been like this. I, what he did on that Sunday rose him to rising star to superstar. I think he's one of the top guys in golf right now at 23 years old. And this youth movement is crazy. You saw Wolf up there. He's like 23. DeChambeau, who everyone thinks is old, but it's only like 26. You know, all these young guys, uh, you know, on the tour nowadays, I mean, the tour is in great, great hands. That shot by Morikawa, I still can't get over it. What did you think about the event? I loved it. I mean, a couple things to your points there. First, that when it first came out, everyone said, you know, we'd seen the Memorial, we'd seen all these other events, and I agreed with that. It was kind of like it's going to be tough to make this feel like an actual major because, you know, we've already seen the course set up. We're not, not sure of how it's going to lay out and what ended up happening, and I'll go to that in a second. But, you know, we were sort of thinking about how this is going to play out. We'd already seen all these strong fields and whatnot. So definitely exceeded my expectations when it came to that. I think you talked about the course setup. And I think, again, too, another comment. Over the first couple of days, you heard that, and maybe for the right reasons. But then you saw how it played out. And, you know, 13 under was astonishing, mainly because of that shot that everyone's talked about, you talked about. We know it's the greatest shot we've seen in a long time. But I think that when you look at the overall score, that was basically with, you know, very little to no weather, if you think about it, and what could have happened for San Francisco area. So, you know, it, it was a perfect scoring event, the perfect setup, the way, you know, you, to have that drivable par four, our boy Jason Sobel was talking about it, and he, he was in his article mentioning that, like every course, every major should have that. I think I so have, too. I agree. I agree. It was yeah. that made you know, and like you said, for Morikawa to not just lay up there and try and just take the birdie, he just was going after his normal shot. That's the biggest thing about him is he just trusts his game and goes with it. And if it ends up making a mistake or missing a short putt or whatever, he'll live live with it and move on. But uh, it wasn't also like he was saying like I have to eagle this. That's why I'm going to do this. He just figured, why am I going to change what I've been doing that's been working? And he stuck with his game and it paid off. Um, some other things, you know, the leaderboard, you know, that goes with that is how we did get an up and down leaderboard, but in the end, we got what we expected, right? So you had some Lorenzo Vera's, some How Tong Lee's. Good, good for him for holding his own, by the way. The guy, you know, I said Why Tong Lee. The guy was out there in the range for <laughs> what seemed like 12 hours that, that day. They said he did go get some lunch and whatever and come back. But good for him. All the stuff with Phil in the booth and talking about their friendship. It almost seemed like uh, you Phil had money on the guy because yeah. he was cheering for him so much. But it was just a, you know the old to see them bring up the old pictures and things like that. That was cool with him. But yeah, in the end, look at the board. DJ Morikawa. You know, talking about young guys. You mentioned Scheffler. Wolf really impressed me. Two years younger than Morikawa. The other thing about the uh, Morikawa's maturity is he stayed in school, right? That's a little bit of the difference there, and they talk about that all the time. But, you know, Casey, Finau, those guys after the round that were talking about Morikawa, they were like, look, we already knew. And if you didn't, you've been, you know, haven't been watching because it's just incredible what he can do. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau was quoted as saying, he actually said it about 17 times. He kept saying unbelievable ball striker, which was funny because you could tell he was just caught up a little bit in the momentum and like couldn't believe how good this guy is. And obviously he didn't get the W that he wanted himself, but made a good run at it. But he was saying that. And then he said, you know, something I one day hope to have. And he's talking about those irons, right? We keep going yeah. back and forth, JT, Morikawa, but these irons are something else. He's 20, 30, 40 yards back in some cases of some of these guys, like on Bryson's tee shots or Finau's tee shots, call it 25, 30 yards. And he's still putting it up there. It's because these long irons are incredible that he's got. And then when you find him with a putter, chipping it in on 14, leading the field in putting, it's game over for, yeah. you know, for golf. You know, Josh Perry <laughs> said, game yeah. over for golf. If this guy's leading in putting, it's over. I mean, the thing about it is what makes his win that much more impressive is the course ended up being built for bombers. 
I mean, if you look at this leaderboard, I mean, Casey's not short at all. DJ Long, Wolf Long, Day Long, Bryson Long, Finau Long, Scheffler Long, Xander's Long enough, Champ Long, Rom was up there. You know what I'm saying? These are all bombers. And then you have Colin out here, who's not the longest guy on tour by a lot, maybe average nowadays, to do what he did against all these guys who hit the ball 800 miles off the tee makes what he did so much more impressive because he was at a disadvantage. You know, this course was suited for the long ball. That's what it was. You look at the leaderboard, that's the way it was. And, and to do what he did without the length off the tee, to have that, what it reminded me was sort of prime Smith. You know what I'm saying? Like, not long at all. You don't really – He's not uh, super impressive off the tee, but Spieth is more – I mean, when Spieth is really good, his, his ball striking was great, you know, uh, even though he wasn't that long. And this is sort of where uh, – but more Kyle's on a different level when it comes to the iron player. There's some talks that he's the best iron player since Tiger Woods. Like, that's how good this guy is. I mean, with you know, he led the field in proximity, you know. Uh, and, and, and he, of course, he's hitting it from – a lot farther back than most of the guys that were behind him in the leaderboard. So that was super impressive by, uh, by Mr. Morikawa, who was one of my cash game cornerstones. Now I've had the cat. I've had a winner uh, in the, my cash game cornerstones in three of the last four weeks, went four for four. Uh, the other three guys didn't do that well. And of course I didn't win in cash because my dumbass pivoted to Fitzpatrick from Woodland at the last second. And I know Woodland didn't do that great, but I missed cashing by like 10 to 15 points uh, in most double ups. So that was extremely frustrating. Hopefully you guys want some money and didn't roster Fitzpatrick or Hatton, because I mean, that if you didn't do roster those guys, you probably got six of six. So hopefully that helped you guys win a little bit of money. Of course, my dumbass didn't bet him uh, either. How did you do last week? It wasn't the greatest week. I, th- I think the big thing was the, uh, I was in the mega, right? So I played the big $7,500 GPP. On DraftKings, it was a great run. It was kind of, you know, up and down all the way. I got six to six. I had it through. And then in the end, I ended up coming 57th and top 55 get paid. So Oof. Bruno Rudo, who's a, another really great player, he finished on, on the bubble. He was the official bubble boy. And I think he only had one lineup as well. But to finish right there and be 1.5 points off, it was kind of, you know, one of those sick moments at the end because you don't really know who, you know who has what. There's a bunch of chalk there, but you're down to like basically DJ in the final group. And he makes that birdie, which I know comes with a couple placement points from third to second. I know it's for, you know, to lock up the all four under 70. So I'm good with that. That's five points. The birdie's three. I'm trying to calculate mine, but it's really hard to tell with what's around you, how as quickly as it's going. And then to see myself, I was in 63rd. I was like, oh, maybe this is it. But it was just the, the function of everyone around me and having the different guys in the mix and end up coming too off. So that stings. I had some swaps and some stuff out there on it. So it wasn't, be, you know, all the money or the be all end all. But I think the, uh, you know, the fun in it was that it was a one in 300 shot at a million bucks with the upside of the TOC entry for the tournament of champions at the end of the year, you know, trip to the Super Bowl, chance at another million bucks. So I'd definitely do it again if it came around. Obviously, got to play within your bankroll. And if you got, you know, guys are some that want to swap with you, you can do stuff like that and have some fun with, within the tournament. But I think that, uh, you know, I had a, a large piece of myself. And it would have been nice to have a good payday out of it. But in the end, like I said, didn't bet Morikawa. Didn't really know if he could do it. And, and like you said, he doesn't have the long ball, but he certainly got the balls of steel. And, and you saw it down the stretch and he pulled it off. And that's what ended up winning this thing for him on top of all those bombers that were underneath. Yeah, so mature, so classy, so older for his age. Basically the total opposite of Brooks Kepka. Right now, let's talk a little bit about Segway. Segway. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Brooks Kepka. Uh, 
what he said on Saturday about <laughs> Dustin Johnson, I really think it was just head games. I think he was trying to get in DJ's head. Um, yeah, but I mean, just like he just seems like so much of a bully. I think he lost a lot of respect this weekend for that. And you don't mess with DJ. DJ is beloved. And I think the reason I, it's weird why he is. I mean, maybe it's because he's stupid. There's a lot of stupid people. I mean, like it gives other people people love him because probably he's dumb. You know, I I don't know why, but people love Dustin Johnson. Like you don't mess with DJ. Uh, you know, you look at our society nowadays, and like you know, if you're trying to become whatever profession you're in, I, you know, it's hard to like measure up to like the top, these geniuses, like Jeff Bezos and like Bill Gates and stuff, but like measuring up to Dustin Johnson or here, it sort of reminds me of Keanu Reeves. You know what I'm saying? Like people love Keanu Reeves. That dude's stupid too, but people love his ass. People just like, people just like stupid people. Uh, and I, you can't mess with DJ. And, and so when he did, I think a lot of people, Lost respect for 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 for, for Brooks Kepka. Deservedly so. I've been on the anti-Brooks campaign because he just seems like a bully out there. Uh, and, and I think I understand what he's trying to do, getting people's heads. And, you know, but I mean, if he backs it up, cool. But the thing about it is, if you look, I don't even know if he's big game Brooks anymore. Like, if you look back um, at like the last of his big tourneys that he played. 2019 Masters, he hit the water on 12, bogeyed 18, didn't win. Uh, PJ Championship last year, he won, but he was four over on Sunday. Uh, last year's British Open, three over on Sunday. 2019 Tour Championship, three over on Sunday. You know, yesterday, he was what? Three or four over on Sunday. Is he is he losing his mojo, Tambo? I don't, I don't think so. No, I think, uh, and I'm not a big Brooks guy. Like I took a bet over the weekend of Brooks versus Jason day for finishing position, just cause I didn't think day would pull it off more than that. You know, I talk about it all the time and that's why I don't play him anywhere. I, I've been fading Brooks at majors unless he's like nine K or something when he was at the masters with the tiger ended up winning, then I'll play him because value. And he doesn't need to win it for him when he's up there at like 11 something K it's really tough to get behind and really truly believe that. But I, I think there's a couple things, you know, one of them was also in the same article I read today by Sobel. I, I briefly mentioned it earlier, but the point that I like, I just like reading all the content. And that was something in there that he said, it kind of makes sense is that Bro- someone has got behind Brooks and said, look, and I'm adding more to his article because this is sort of my own thoughts mixed with it. But his point was that he believes that someone's got behind Brooks and said, listen, you got to be this way because it's a intimidation to your opponents, or at least trying to, like Rory said in his comments, which we'll get to said, you know, if you're trying to intimidate DJ, you're messing with the wrong guy. He doesn't give a shit is basically what Rory was saying. It's not going to work. But to his point, back to what Sobel was saying in the article, it kind of makes sense is it's also motivation for him. Kind of like the, the Michael Jordan, in the last dance where, you know, you see all, or if you were there for it back way back when, but he was creating his own narratives to talk himself into just bullying and crushing a field or in that case, crushing a game and, a, and an opponent. Right. So I can see where that comes from. My own sort of spin on it is there's that, but there's also, he's mentioned multiple times about how winning these majors changed him in the sense that he didn't want to talk before. And now he can, because no matter what happened, he didn't care if, when he came to the podium at the end of the round yesterday, where by the way, he, the only worst round on the course was Jim Herman with a 75 Brooks Kepa was second to last with a 74 to your point that you mentioned over par, everyone was under par. It was totally gettable. And he does all that. He even bogeyed the 16, which more cow eagled. So there's just, you know, they talk about the golf channel, the, the way the karma can slap you in the face real quick. Golf is the easiest, you know, as far as a humbling experience, it's the one that can happen the fastest. And it certainly did for Brooks Kepka on Sunday. But what I would say 
is that, you know, when he comes to the podium after, he's already got the villain role. He's clearly taking that on. He's saying stuff and naming people. So what happens is when they ask him at the end, so, oh, that didn't work out. What happened? All he has to say is, I still got four. He might have two or he might not win down the stretch here and still only have one. Talk to me next, next major. We'll see you then. And that's kind of what he did say at the end. He said, obviously, it didn't work out but I got two more majors to go this year and we'll see what happens. Kind of like saying, look, I don't really care. I'm still running shit and we'll see what happens at the next one. To your point, maybe he's lost it. I don't know, but we'll see as they go on. I, you know, he's definitely a great player. I just don't know, like you said, with how much talent in this game, that was anybody's tournament to win. Morikawa stole it away and yeah. with his talent, of course, but I'm saying there was a lot of good golfers up there that could have done their damage on Sunday instead of you know not getting it done on Sunday and ended up taking it away themselves. I mean, do you think, I mean, saying that stuff just puts so much more pressure on him, I think. Do you think he uses it to self-motivate? I think that was something that I could think of, of why he does this, especially at majors and stuff like that. I think it's maybe the self-motivate, just because he he knows he has to perform uh, right. if he's going to talk this shit. You know what I'm saying? And so maybe, that, maybe that's why he's doing it. Uh, either way, he comes across as a bully. Uh, I think he's losing fans. Um and again, maybe he doesn't give a fuck. Uh, you know, I, 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 he probably doesn't give a fuck. So, I don't think uh, he does. He said multiple yeah. times about how, you know, he's in the friendship thing. Back to that. There was a couple just, you know, two more quick things. Friendship side of it. He said, like, that's not even real. Like, that's something the media has created. He said, I got my friends at home. I see these guys on tour 20, 25 weeks of the year when I'm playing. That, that's good enough for me. So there's that. And then, you know, Ryder Cup implications, whatever that might be. Because now, you know, other guys got brought into it. DJ, obviously him and Brooke or, or him and. Bryson, Bryson had their yeah. beef already, so there's already stuff going on there. And then you got like happy-go-lucky Tony Fino on the outside looking in, just like whatever happens, happens, man. Who cares? Another man, ima- ima- imagine if the Ryder Cup wasn't canceled. Oh, imagine if they were I playing it. Right it in, I know. Yeah. Imagine if they were playing it in two months. Whatever number the Europeans have, I would bet the fuck out of it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I don't care if it would be minus 300. Give me yeah. the euros. I would bet them. You know. And then you got and then you got JT Spieth from the friendship aspect. Ryder Cup aside for a second, where that was a bullying. You want to talk about a bullying on the cor- on the verbally? That was a bullying on the course. Spieth got absolutely destroyed by JT. Some of the best content that we'll get on the internet for a while with the you know the tossing of the club. Here you go, Mikey. I'm done. Like basically, he couldn't even hit a drive. He couldn't hit anything, man. And then the thumbs up with the turn back and just shake his head like he hates his life. It, it was a uh, tough scene for for Spieth and JT. I, I, that after the fact, look, I'm trying to make birdies. He's trying to figure shit out. That's pretty much what he said. I, I read something about Spieth this weekend talking about how his whole demeanor on course has changed so much. Like he knows his struggles and it's really, really bringing him down. Uh, I forget who the reporter was that was talking about it, but just like visually the way he looks on the course. I mean, I think this shit is really getting to him. It is. Um, and I'm not sure if he can break out of it, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, speaks wasn't a big story this week, but I do feel bad for him because from where he's, where he was to where he is now, uh, I mean, that's got to take a toll mentally uh, on him. I've always said that, you know, that was his strength, uh, you know, the, his mental ability. And that seems to be gone uh, as of now. All right. So let's move on and let's go to the winner of our listener league this week. It was a, a Gups corner member, Winnie boom, boom with the Gups corner logo up on there. Uh, first play, first guy he had was of course, Colin Moore Cower, the winner 43.2% owned. great work. DJ nation. That means almost half of you had the winner 
in the listener league. That's pretty fucking impressive, guys. So 122.5 points, 43.2% owned. Dustin Johnson came in second, uh, 26.64%, uh, 104 points. Berger, who disappointed me on Sunday, I thought he had a chance. 16.16% owned, 76 points. Uh, Jason Day, who I did love last week, he he's, he's, he's could be back. He could be back-back, like not fucked up back, but back-back. Uh, 14.32% owned, 91 points. Justin Rose, 8.16% owned, 83.5 points. And Scotty Scheffler. Uh, this is a great lineup. I mean, this could have been up there in, in some GPPs, I think. Um, uh, 7.76% owned, fourth place, 96.5 points. Uh, what do you think of the lineup? Yeah, you don't read your DMs on Twitter, do you? No, what happened? This is our boy, man. We we met Jason, the guy that's Winnie Boom Boom. We oh, met him at the him? Honda. He, oh, he was the winner okay. The I didn't know this was him. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah. Anyway, I didn't know this was his screen name. No, it's all good. He he yeah, he yeah. messaged me and you on there, and, and I, I just yeah. assume you must have had them turned off. I was he was our he, he was our fourth some in in our yes. in our in our in our. Um, dfs open that's right that's right that's right yeah, yeah so he was down there with us at the dfs open this year you know everyone <laughs> from the industry was all down there that's why i mentioned our boy sobel because i know you got to party with sobel a little bit but we'll i did party with sobel we're gonna keep we're gonna keep that party quiet <laughs> yes, that's right <laughs> that's gonna, and so that, that story's gonna stay under wraps for that guy <laughs> yeah it's a good one though we'll yeah, save yeah, it for another day yeah. but uh, i don't know if i can ever say that so tell that story no, so no. Jason, Jason's a really good guy, but yeah, he had this in the Millie Maker. Burger basically cost, I think he got 15th. He ended up winning like 25,000 on this lineup total. So shout out to him. This was a, an awesome build, like you said, kind of the way I like to see it. If you know you're going to have two guys that are extreme chalk in DJ Morikawa, two of my favorite plays, he basically went with Burger and Day sort of in that middle range and then made sure he had two lower owned guys under 10% in Rose and Scheffler. It all came together. I think, you know, there is some variance involved where, and it's not, no takeaway of the lineup. I mean, Day was dropping bombs. That's what he does. Burger, man, this guy could not make a putt in round three, and the struggles continued in round four. So I, I really do feel for him a little bit that it could have been such a better lineup. But, you know, again, not, not meant to be this time. We've all been in these spots. And I think, again, 25000 is nothing to be mad about. And you've got the win in the, the Fantasy Golf Degeneres Lister League. So I've added him to the year-end contest. Nice. He's going to meet us in the three-man this week. And, again, thanks, Jason, and shout-out to you, man, for reaching out. That is pretty cool. Since we got to meet the guy, and he played in our foursome, uh, you know, our Gup's Corner foursome at the DFS Open. That's pretty money. Uh, I didn't realize that was him. I knew he had a good lineup. I, I saw the DM, but I didn't know. I guess I didn't read the part where he won the listener league. I, I glance over that shit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do. All right, so let's get to this week. Uh, the PGA Tour moves to Greensboro, North Carolina, for the final full field event of the season. The Wyndham Championship presents an opportunity for those on a playoff bubble to make a late run and get themselves into the Northern Trust next week. Now, this used to have a little bit more bearing when, you know, it also you can also get your tour card for the next season. But everyone's safe. Everyone's in. Everyone that had their tour card this past season is already in. So that part of the equation is out for this week. Now, here is a list of the golfers on the bubble. Uh, at 120th, it's just going from 120th down. So Tom Lewis, Siwoo, Fabian Gomez, Bo Hogue, Russell Knox, and Charles Schwartz. So those guys are the five, last five in. The last five out, Bronson Burgoon, Chase Seifert, Nick Watney, Zach Johnson, Kyle Stanley. Those are the last five out. Now, other notable names include Shane Lowry, 131st, uh, Rafael Cabrera-Bayo, 133rd, Sergio Garcia, 134th, and uh, Jonathan Vegas, 135th. Now, I wouldn't roster these golfers based on motivation alone. 
Uh, but if you have a couple of golfers or you're trying to decide between them, you know, maybe you can use the quote unquote play into the FedEx Cup playoffs narrative uh, as a tiebreaker, either for or against, uh, depending on if you think the golfer in question can handle the pressure. Personally, I'm just going about this week as a normal week. Now, Sedgefield Country Club is a 7,127-yard par 70 course designed by Donald Ross. The course has four par threes and two par fives. Both the par fives are reachable by most and are two of the easiest holes on the course. Eight of the 12 par fours are in the 400 to 450-yard range. The course isn't very long, but there are a couple of long par threes, and there are two par fours that play over 500 yards, with 18 being the most difficult hole on the course. It's like 507 yards. Uh, this course is routinely one of the easiest on tour with an average winning score of around minus 17. Now, off the tee, golfers will see average size, tree-lined fairways with light, rough, and just a few fairway bunkers. Over 70% of all drives land on the fairway, which is well above tour average. This is mostly due to the fact that a lot of golfers here take less than driver off the tee. Having the correct angle to attack the pin is of great importance at Sedgefield Country Club, especially because of the undulated and sloped greens. Placement and accuracy off the tee seems to be more important than length and wayward drive uh, than length. And wayward drives could cause problems for some golfers. Now, even though the rough is not too long or thick, distance control might be an issue since flyer lies are the norm when hitting approaches out of Bermuda rough. Now, there is one telling stat of just how important it is to hit these fairways. The green and regulation percentage from the fairway here is over 80%. The green and regulation percentage from the rough is right around 50%. Now, I'm not saying don't roster bombers. You know, as far as some of these guys hit the ball off the tee nowadays, even without driver in hand, it should be much easier for them to hit the greens of the wedge than these stats indicate, especially if the conditions are soft. Now, on approach shots, golfers will see small to average sized greens that slope from back to front quite heavily. Uh, hitting it below the flag will be very important. Some of the greens are multi-tiered, which makes the aiming point a lot smaller on approaches. The edges of the greens are crowned with large collection areas waiting for golfers who miss. Bunkers surround some of these greens, but most are shallow and fairly easy to get out from, and there is water in play on a few holes. The greens themselves use Bermuda grass with a stint meter rating of around 12. These greens seem to be a major defense of the course, as there are a lot of three putts here. The Wyndham Championship has been played on this course since 2008, but the greens were switched from bent grass to Bermuda grass in 2012. So looking at horse course history before 2012 has a little bit less value. Tambo, what are you looking for in golfers this week? A lot of stuff that correlates with what you just said. I mean, a couple notes straight out of the gate. So, you know, we're looking at something totally different this week. We're back to a birdie fest, right? Minus 21, minus 22 type of thing is what you're going to see. Typically win here, you know, maybe a little less at some points, but it looks like it'll be that again. You know, a hot, someone's going to get a hot putter. There's lots of first-time main tour winners here that you'll see, like JT Poston last year, Siwoo back in the day, like a little ways, and keep going down the list. We'll get to it when we get to some of the players. Driving accuracy, like you talked about, is important. Power four scoring is important. But I think, uh, you know, the fairways and greens thing, like you just mentioned, that was a great point. But that's why the one thing I'll put as like a side note or another stat that I do like to bring in is scrambling. Because let's say you got a guy who I'll get to, like Patrick Reed, he's not really been the best off the tee. He's great with par four scoring. He's got the rest of the game when he's on. He's up there with some of these other big names. But, it, you know, if he does miss the green, he's one of the best scramblers. And then, obviously, he can get a hot putter. So I think that would play into a little bit of what I'm looking at as well. 
Okay, sounds good. Why don't we start in this 10K range with that has uh, Patrick Reed? We'll go Paul Casey all the way up to Brooks Kepka. What are you doing up top with Kepka and Webb? Like, here's the thing about these two guys. Kepka, I think he could be on their own this week because of what happened last week. Sure. And I think Webb, even though his course history here, everyone knows he has he has a house on the course and he, he named his child Wyndham. Um, you know, you're going to be hearing that all week. But he doesn't have Paul Lasori on the bag. He does. What do you do? Up, what he does? He does. Paul's, back? Paul's gonna give it a go. I was just gonna bring that. It's a, it just uh, came out like an hour ago or half an hour uh, ago. But Paul's gonna give it a go. His doctor says he should lose twenty five pounds. But geez, he said, "Don't yell at me, Doc. I'm gonna give this thing a try." So he's he's gonna go out with with Webb this week. Do their thing. Okay. So what, what are you gonna do? Because that obviously it makes it a little bit more of a bigger boon to roster Webb. How? Where do you think Brooks' ownership? is going to be possibly one third, you know, right, I, mean? I get like 10%. I, I was going to say 10 to 30 is where I'm getting that number from. So you're right. Yeah. yeah we're, we're on the same page that the story news should add to it even more. I mean, there's no doubt about his course history. Second, second, third, or just the last three years alone on top of the wins and multiple other top tens going back to 2010. But yeah, for, for me, a couple things. One, definitely could play a little Brooks. I'm not really going to say he's my pivot because it's a guy I like pivoting off more for. So my first one would be if you want to get different, especially in large field. I, I don't have any problem when a guy's that high owned. And especially it's not to me, this is not the same as like Bryson at 3M. I'm trying to learn from that mistake. Maybe I won't, but you know, Bryson at 3M, I'm, you know, I talked about game theory and all that, but they had, you know, the four drivable, the, the, sorry, the four par fives, the two drivable par fours. Like there was just too many ways that he could get there against such a weak field. I don't really think there's a lot of difference up here besides the course history narrative. And the fact, yes, he's done it so many times, but again, it's 11-2. Anything can happen when an 11-2 golfer is involved. So I like Patrick Reed for a little bit less for the reasons that I just talked about, par four scoring, the ability to have the, you know, the all around game. He hasn't been the best off the tee or hit the most fairways. But like I said, even if he's not, he's got that a little bit of distance and then the ability to scramble, which is huge to me. And the putter gets hot. Uh, you know, Webb always ha- seems to have a hot putter here. That's the other thing. If that continues, it, it would punish me. But I'm, it's not like I'm not going to play Webb. I just think one of the better pivots would be to go Reed versus a lot. We'll say Kepka because of last week. But, you know, I, I don't know. He just – it's not even the regular season event. It's just like I said, I just never like him, especially as the top price. That, that's really where I'm at with him. The other week at WGC when I liked him again, same deal. He was back down at, what, 9,400 or 9,300 that week? 9,200 maybe because Rom was 93 the week before. That's when I like Kepka. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do with these two guys. Now, especially that I know Paul DeSore's back on the bag. Uh, I was leaning Kepka before that. Um, you know, because I am going to play one of these two. I'm not sure which one I'm going to play, so we'll just move on. I like Patrick Reed, just like you. Uh, you know, the thing about Patrick is, you know, Iron Game is, if you look at his stats, they're not very great when when you're looking at stuff that you want to see on this course. Lots of fairways hit, uh, you know, uh, and good approach play. But the guy just makes... Do you wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future birdies first in birdies a better game in the last 36 rounds first in uh, in this field first in drafting points last 36 rounds in this field he just finds a way to score uh so i am gonna play uh patrick greed um 
And I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with Paul Casey. This this top end, I've been looking over it for like you know the last you said the score the the prices went out like eight hours ago. Like I know I'm going to play Reed, but everything else I am still not sure because Casey had a hell of a week last week. Um, and I was on another pod and I talked about how you know. The one thing uh, it was, I think somebody on Mayo's pod talked about this last week, and I sort of requoted him talking about how the one thing that made Casey popular, a good play all the time, was his stability. You know, the guy just made cut after cut after cut, top twenty to top thirty-five every week, cut after cut after cut, and that sort of has gone away uh, the last few weeks. And then, of course, last week, and I was like, "There's no way he's going to be able to do his thing." He comes in like second place. So, so I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, the iron play is strong. He's good from 400 to 450 yards. Accurate off the tee. I mean, the numbers line up like they always do for Paul Casey. Uh, there's a lot of three putts on this course. So that that's the one negative that he has. You know, he's, he has a ton of three putts, um, you know, comparatively to this field. So I, I'm definitely playing Reed. I'm thinking about Casey. And I'm going to play one of the two guys up top. And I'm, I'm playing three guys up here because when you go down to this 9K range, uh, it's small. And two of my cash game cornerstones start out here. So, you know, I'm not going to play those too heavy in GPPs. First off, it's going to be Justin Rose. Now, I did talk about Rose earlier, uh, shooting 66, hitting four of 14 fairways. But, you know, his iron game was really, really strong. Uh, you know, I think it was top 15 in um, strokes can approach this past week at the PGA Championship. And he he, he, t- he took off for the WGC event just so he could fine-tune his equipment because we all know he left Hanma. He's been trying to find the right clubs, the right irons that suit him. And I think he found them last week. So, uh, you know, I, I like Rose uh, a lot. And he doesn't have to pull out the driver too much here like he did last week. So, you know, that could limit his exposure off the tee. So, I do, Justin Rose. And another thing is, you know, I know he's missed a lot of cuts. And I know usually I try and go for the safer plays. But what I've come to realize with this top 65 in ties, and not just that, but the overall landscape of PGA DFS, there's a lot of sharper guys that play this game now. You know, I think you have to go a little bit more upside when it comes to cash. And I think that's why I struggled so much since the restart. Um, so I think Rose can win this event. And at $9,900, I'm going to go and play him, even though he doesn't have – I mean, he missed like four cuts in a row or something like that. But he was, tr- he was struggling to find the right equipment. I think he's found it. Uh, and I'm going to go with Rose as my first cash game cornerstone. Cash game cornerstone number two – is Mr. Harris English, who's played this course pretty, pretty well uh, in the past. Really good. Uh, he never three-putts, hardly. You know, second in this field in three-putt avoidance. And like I said, there's a lot of three-putts uh, on this course. A lot of slope, a lot of undulation here. Uh, really good on par fours. You know, and there's 12 of them this week. Uh, you know, iron play, above average. Uh, fairway, hitting fairways, above average. Uh, so I like Harris English as my second play. Uh, Abraham answer with Drew, correct? That's right. So Abraham Answer, Lanto Griffin, and Vaughn Taylor are three of the more notables that would be in the field that you were probably, at least considering some of them, especially Answer was, and Lanto were getting some talk, but they're all out. Okay. So, yeah. So I, I don't know if I'm going to play anybody else in GPPs in this range. Maybe Billy Horschel. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Uh, but that would be it. So that's why I'm going three guys probably up in this 10K range. 
Yeah, I mean, on Billy, just to your point there, Billy Ho, three top tens here in the last four years, game rounding into form. Now we get him back in, you know, on Bermuda Greens, which he loves. I'm in on that and Rose. And I, I like this range because I think most people do start with a Casey, a Fleetwood, a Reed. Obviously, Webb is going to be, in some cases, people will have him lock button. So, I mean, the Kepka talk where, like you said, he's, people are going to see him at 10%. I just think everyone's going to start up there. And I don't always necessarily think that's the case. We saw it at the 3M. when, Or what was it the 3M? Yeah, because, sorry, I was talking about Bryson earlier and I was talking about the Rocket Mortgage Classic where it was a little more clear at the 3M. We saw it with all the question marks at the top. Here, there's not really a question mark. It's just people think Webb is the nuts and I'm, I'm just not certain that it is. So we'll wait and see how the ownership comes out, how the week progresses. I can only see him being like 30%. So kind of known already. But I, I like Reed up there and then I like dropping down to this range. English worries me a little bit. I like Rose and Horschel with Reed up top. But English is kind of a decision because maybe I'll play a little more Fleetwood and drop him because the only thing about English that worries me is it's the same sort of thing as a couple weeks ago where Glover was 9,400 after being like 7,700. And then it's, it seems like you talk about upside. It just seems like one of the safer plays, but you've already got your upside play in Justin Rose built yeah. in there and, and a more unique build by skipping the entire five, five figure range. So yeah, yeah I, I like, I like Rose and I like Horschel. That's two guys I'm on here in the nine K range. All right. So let's go to this eight K range. Uh, I'll go with my, Third cash game cornerstone pick. It's going to be Kisner. The guy's been playing pretty damn good golf uh, here lately, you know. And the thing is, we're back on Bermuda, and you know, this guy loves Bermuda. Again, the stats don't really line up for what I'm seeing, but I'm basically just going on what I feel uh, with Mr. Kevin Kisner. And I, and I, and I like the way uh, he's played. He's played this course a bunch, if I'm not mistaken. Just looking at his um, course history here, what, 10th, 8th, you know, a couple of top 10s here. Hasn't missed a cut. Uh, at least in the last 10 years. So uh, I do like Kisner uh, in this range. Other guys I do, I am going to play. Brendan Todd, the guy just shows up every week. I know his core history is not that great here, but it's a different Brendan Todd than we've seen, um, you know, in the last, you know, what, three years. The guy was up there last week uh, at the PGA Championship. He was there for the WGC before he collapsed on Sunday. Uh, he was 54 in the whole leader at the Travelers Championship. This guy is just playing extremely good golf. Uh, two wins, of course, already this season. At 8900 I think it's a pretty good price for him. If you told me 8900 would be a good price for Brendan Todd, you know, before this season started, I'd be like, you're freaking crazy. But I think that's a pretty good price for the way this guy is playing. And I think where his game is now, it, it'll suit the course because he gets a ton of fairways. His iron play is you know, above average, a really good on par fours, really good from 150 to 175. So I like Brendan Todd up top. Um, and I like Ryan Moore down below. A little bit worried about why he withdrew from the PGA Championship. Like, why would you withdraw from a major? Uh, but he's back this week. Again, another guy who loves this course. Iron game strong, fairways good, 150 to 175, first in the field in the last 36 rounds, which is basically since the restart. Uh, so I mean, I don't mind him for cash, and I really like Corey Connors uh, this week. I guess Tambo told me, or I haven't been really reading too much stuff about this week yet, but before the show, Tambo was telling me Corey might be popular. I didn't know that was going to happen, but I'm still loving him this week because, you know, his iron game and his, his fairways, he's 13th in the field in fairways gained in the last 36 rounds, 8th in the field in strokes gained approach in the last 36 rounds. Now he's one of the worst putters out there. Uh, so, so of course, but an average putting week by him, he could top 10, top five, maybe even win this thing. What do you think? Yeah, that's my, my next pivot. So I'll start from the bottom up, but uh, yeah, people are talking about Connors. I've seen people betting him. I've seen him in a couple articles already. 
I get it. You know, the Canadian love is there a little bit, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, I it just, what worries me is if he's not hitting the fairways and greens, he's got to scramble and that's just not his forte. Certainly like Ryan Moore quite a bit more. And like I said, I hope people are a little bit worried about, he's got, you know, six, 24th, 53rd, 10th, just in his last four outings. He's got a win here back in 09. He's 12th, 12th, 40th coming off the restart. I have no clue why he withdrew from the PGA championship. It could be, you know, people are talking about a PR thing to try and cover himself up or whatever for, could be anything. But I guess the idea would be like, why would you skip a major with 2 million up top and a chance to change, well, almost, and a chance to change your life, you know, get a major in there. So I don't know, but, uh, you know, hopefully that leaves people off him. I certainly like more at 8,100. Going up from there, you know, Kisner, Revy, you can play both of them. I'm coming around kind of, like you said, the, the thing about those two and why I like them both is because I was going to pivot off one or the other, but I think the bottom line is that last week was just too much course. Kisner's talked about it plenty in the past. He says, I can't win one of these things. These things are built for Rory McIlroy, he said in the past. Now, obviously, Rory hasn't shown up. That's another storyline, but the idea is that it's for the big boys, and he's saying that's not me, but he still consistently grinds it out. The Masters, the Tiger one, he was one of the value plays to get up there last week at 7,100, finishes 19th place. You know, it's just, he's been grinding it out 25th the week before, 19th at the PGA Championship, and then the stats you talked about, back on Bermuda, all those reasons. So it's really tough to pick one or the other. I like them both, Revy and Kisner. Kind of like Garcia a little bit. I know he didn't make the cut last week, but if you look, usually a little bit better on Bermuda where we've been waiting for him to make putts, maybe this is a spot that he can do it. And then at the top, I like Todd with you. I think there's going to be some merit to the guys in the middle. I'm just naming my favorites, but you know, do you have any thoughts on Im Lowry or Siwoo Kim, who also not only came fifth year last year, but won uh, four years ago and then has been playing some better golf? Yeah, I think because of the people in this range, the ownership is going to be spread out yeah. pretty much uh, in this range. Because, I mean, you, you can literally make an argument for any guy to play any one of these guys in this 8K range. Like Siwoo, former winner here, been playing pretty damn good golf. Uh, what top 15 last week? He was in there uh, last week. So the 13, form is yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, Sungjae, much better on Bermuda. Um, you know, we're back to a Bermuda course, just like it was a TPC Southwind a couple weeks ago. The only issue with him is his iron game has been so bad. Uh, I, I don't know if he can recover from that, but he hits a ton of fairways, um, you know, good off the tee. So uh, I, I'm not sure about him. I know Ben Coley better him this week. I did read that article. So, you know, if Ben likes him, I might have to. I might have to play him. Um, you know, so I, you know, I like I like Siwoo. I'll play him. I don't know about Sungjae. Uh, we'll see if I play both my fellow countrymen uh, this week. Let's move to the seven K range. Tambo, go ahead. Yeah, Fratelli at the top. I think you know he's been playing great. Thirty third, eighteenth, twenty second, basically in his last three since the restart. Has only played here once, but I think, you know, the upside that he has at 7,900, there's a lot of other guys. Neiman's got 13th and 33rd here. JT Poston's the former winner. So to your point, I guess back up in the 8K range, most people can't play a bunch of guys in that range. If they're going to go up top and even pick one of these guys, you know, you look at the, some of the builds from last week, like you'd have Bryson and then Morikawa and they, or Brooks and Morikawa, let's say it was more popular, and then you'd have to drop to the 7K range. So this range is where you're going to see Plays just get peppered. You know, I like Poston where I don't think most people will go back. Most don't like the previous year's winner. Obviously, he didn't even make a bogey here. So uh, he's done, you know, it's one year result. But the fact is, his long term is so much better. So I like him. I like Doc Redman quite a bit underneath him. I like Russell Henley, who I think will be popular. Approach games, but on finally gets back. Now we get those Bermuda greens. He's going to be popular, though. So uh, a pivot to him could be Rogers right underneath. Same price. 
you know, some people like Bazudenhout above that. I would like Rogers a little bit more. We've been waiting on him, waiting on him. 19th, 32nd, 18th since the restart. Talk about a guy that can score, put up good numbers. This would be a spot to do it. Our boy McNeely, Kenny, do you know the narrative there? I'll tell you, because Danielle Kang, his girlfriend, has won the last two weeks on the LPGA Tour. Uh, that was really bad with what happened to Lydia Ko, though. Lydia Ko used to be it really one of the was. Best golfers in the world. And then she was up by five with five to play. And she double bowed. She hit to the she hit it was the, the, the final hole was like a par five, right? And she hit it like near the green on, on the par five on 18 in two and double bogeyed the hole to lose. I, it was so heartbreaking what happened to Lydia Co. I know we don't talk about ladies golf that often, but man, that I can't imagine that feeling that she had after not winning, being one of the best in the world, and then that happened, not winning in five years, and then that happening. But, but good for Danielle Kang. You're right. That is a good narrative. The girlfriend's well, winning. No, the, guy's, the guy's going to show up, right? Your girlfriend's winning back-to-back weeks on her respective tour, which is the pros, and, and you're in the pros, and you got a shot. And we talk about him in a birdie fest, upside, the capability. Uh, certainly don't mind him. I believe he was seventh last time he played. So, uh, you know, that's a, a look for him here at 7,600. But he won't be very popular because you've got Varner Sabatini right there. And guys that I like, you know, Sabatini, sixth, fourth, eighth, three of his last four times here. I think he's a fine play. We didn't talk about some of the correlation courses, but something like the RBC Heritage, definitely right up his alley. And this is a, that's another course that he does well at. So I think you could play him at 7,500. And then just getting down to the bottom of the Ranger. Do you want to go up top first? Who do you got up here? Yeah, I'm basically with you on a lot of these guys up top. I do like um, Fratelli a, a lot. I'll be playing uh, Doc. Uh, and I like Henley, and I like HV3. I mean, you went over those guys. Varner sticks out to me just a little bit just because of how good he's been um, with his irons, how good he's been from 150 to 175, you know, good on par fours. It just makes a lot of sense uh, for him to do well. Also, you know, sort of a local guy. This guy went to school at East Carolina University, so, you know, he has some ties to this area. Uh, so, you don't, I mean, basically what you went, I'm going with, um, and I like, I like HV3 probably the best out of the group. So why don't we move on to this bottom range and I'll go ahead and go with my final cash game cornerstone. It's going to be Henrik Norlander at $7,300. The guys have been playing exceptional golf for the last, what, four or five events. And at this price, um, I am not scared to use him in cash. Uh, you know, iron game, you know, 22nd uh, in strokes can approach in the last 36 rounds, basically since the restart. Hits a lot of fairways, really good on par fours. His tee to green game, even off the tee, irons has been really, really good. Uh, so I like Norlander as my final cash game cornerstone. My four cash game cornerstones are going to be um, Rose at ninety nine hundred, English at ninety. What was he ninety three hundred? Um, Kevin Kisner at eighty three hundred, and Henrik Norlander. At 7,300. Now, this leaves you just about, like 15-2, 15-4 left. So, plenty of room uh, to make the rest of your lineup. Other guys I like in this bottom range. Uh, I like Sam Burns a, a little bit at, uh, what was he, 7,100 this week? 7,200. Uh, you know, he, he, he's a birdie machine. Really, really hits a lot of birdies. Now, he relies a lot on his length. Um, and, you know, it doesn't hit that many fairways. But he could get away with that because he doesn't, have to break out the driver uh, too much. I think I'm going back to uh, Lucas uh, Lucas Glover 
Uh, again, I, he's burned me a couple times, but I, I just I just keep going back to him just because of his iron game, uh, and and you know, he hits a lot of fairways as well. And that's what you need here. So I those two are the ones that stick out to me in this bottom range. Uh, who do you like? Yeah, Bermuda Burns, you mentioned, definitely go back to him. Upside, we were playing him at, wasn't he like 8,700 last time out? You know, and then I think he missed the cut, and that's what gets everybody off him. So I'll go back at 7,200. I'll go back to Glover, same as you said there. I like Glover more than Norlander, that's for sure. And I get why Norlander and Cash, I get the recent form, I get all of it. But, you know, that all that ownership on him and Glover just burning everybody, certainly don't mind that. So, you know, the thing about Glover is, you know, why was he 9,400 just a couple weeks ago, misses a cut, you know, misses on the number at a super tough PGA championship, you know, as we showed, look at the leaderboard. It's all the best of the world are at the top pretty much. And now he's down to 7,300. Got to go back. Right. I'll definitely yeah. do that. So especially in a, in a field that's, you know, really like top heavy. Like once you yeah. get past, yeah. Once you get past like, you know, 9,500, uh, it, you know, the, the field level. And it's out only pretty, slightly better. If, if you go back yeah. to what I was talking about with the three M where he was 9,400. I mean, this yeah. is like, it's a little better for sure, but it's not like light years ahead. So why is he uh-huh. $2,000, $2,100 cheaper? So I definitely like that. Uh, I get your Norlander play. I kind of like Bud Colley a little bit. Saw some sharper dudes on him last week, dug in a little bit. It makes some sense. He's, you know, got some upside coming back. And then also just his, you know, stats. You talk about, you know, scrambling around the green. He's got that if he, if he needs it, you know, fairways, greens, etc. And then on top of it, his results here. Third in 2012, 10th in 2016, 22nd last year. Obviously, something on the course is suiting him, and he likes what he sees. So coming off of a decent week last week with a 37th that probably nobody knows about, that's you know plenty fine for me at 7,200. You know, Furyk, you could make a case for it. Recent Champions Tour winner, Jim Furyk. But uh, you know, getting back on a course that he obviously does well at, 4th, 10th, 9th, so three top 10s in the last three times. Uh, I think that's interesting. And then Brian Harmon, 6th last year, 3rd in 2013, playing some decent golf. We talked about having a hot putter. And getting that going, you know, that could happen. I don't, I, I just like that play better than something like a Luke List. I think Luke List will get some talk because last week of his ball striking stats and just needs to find a putter, but he's been looking for a long time. I don't think it's there, right? It's got to have like the, the Benny on type deal where you're going to get the hole in one so that you can, you know, not have to putt. And that, that's about your only way out there. And, and then you're good. So Charlie Hoffman would be another interesting one down there. He's been playing some good golf in and out, you know, mind you, with a little bit of an injury has been mentioned, but. He's working through it, so I, I don't mind that. And then Johnny Vegas, right at 7K, always interests me in a, you know, a field that I think he can have upside make birdies in. I, l- I like him for 7,000 straight. Yeah, I might play a little bit of Cameron Davis down here as well. Uh, you know, the thing is, like, when he, like, play, when he makes the cut, he's, like, 13th, 8th, 9th in, his la- in, in three of his last 10 events. So when he makes the cut, the upside's definitely there for uh, Cam Davis. Let's move down to the 6K range. Tambo, go ahead. Not much, man. I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I might go Kokrak at the top because, you know, one thing on Kokrak is same thing. Last week, PGA Championship, much stronger field, burned everyone. Just really was his back nine. The rest of his tournament went pretty well for the first round and a half. So, uh, you know, this field is not the same. This was the guy that was in the Tour Championship last year. Remember, he broke through and had to wait around to make sure at the last hole to get in the top 30, squeaked in and gets a shot. So I think, you know, a lot of this will be bringing it back, but just, he's got the stats. There was a reason people were playing him at the PGA championship last week. Now we're in a, a weaker field, easier course. So I, I think he'll be one of the guys, Adam long, Denny McCarthy, right underneath him or right there with him are viable pivots. I think I like Adam long a little bit better. McCarthy was a couple Eagles there last week to three, to his three yeah. Eagles. Yeah. yeah. So a few. So yeah, I mean, Adam long at, at there at 6,900, I think he's fine. Uh, who else do I got here on my list? Kenny, I got Mark Hubbard. 
Hubba Hubbard, man, this is the guy right here, 6,700. Uh, you know, a fine play in something like this makes a lot of birdies. I think it was a stat, something like the most rounds under 60 or something since the restart. He was up there in that list. And that's exactly what we want at this course. So uh, made the cut at the PGA Championship last week. And you can go down from there. I got Adam Shank. Another guy makes a bunch of birdies. He's almost like a cheaper Cam Davis. He's come 12th, 41st, 39th, 30th since the restart. I mean, that's incredible. And now he gets another course where you just got to make birdies and we'll get some upside that way. Sebastian Munoz withdrew a couple of weeks ago, but we're, was going to be on him at the Barracuda and, and couldn't play him because he withdrew. So I don't know what the withdrawal is about, but at 6,600, I'll certainly play some. And then after that, you go, and then I'll see if I got any more when you come back to me. I, I like how you said you didn't like many people, and you rattled off like six, seven names. I love that. Five guys. I love that about you. By the way, I don't like. I don't like this name. Boom, 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 boom. Munoz, Hubbard, <laughs> yeah. Munoz, Hubbard, Kokrak, and I said you could play some Long McCarthy. That's five of the ninety-six guys. That's true. That we that's have true. this week that's under true. under seven K. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do like Denny a lot. Uh, you know, the guy. Of course, it comes with a lot of putting. Uh, one of the best putters out there. But you know, of course, he's going to avoid three putts really good week last week uh, i like taylor gooch with the strong iron play good on these middle length par fours uh good from 150 to 175 where you'll see a lot of uh you know approach shots come from in this um at this event i like ryan armor i know he hasn't really been playing very much recently or playing well recently but you know you sort of play ryan armor at ryan armor courses he's like the mini bubba you know, Bubba, you play at Bubba courses. I think the same can be said for Ryan Armour. And I feel like this is one of Ryan Armour's courses. So I, I like Ryan Armour. A um, little bit of Andrew Landry down here. I will play uh, Hadley. Uh, again, another good iron player. Fourth in birdies are better gained in this field in the last 36 rounds. That's pretty impressive for a guy like Hadley. Now he has a ton of bogeys. But, but <laughs> I do like Hadley down here. Uh, and I'll go with the one FedEx Cup, you know, motivation guy. And that'll be uh, Nick Watney down here. I think it was 6,500, 6,400, uh, whatever his price is. I do like him. He's definitely playing uh, to get into the playoffs. He had a good outing uh, a few weeks ago. So I like Nick Watney. Yeah. A couple, a couple more things I'll mention. One is the uh, thing I was going to mention at the top. I forgot all about it, actually, was when you mentioned the Bubble Boy thing, I, I looked into that as well. It's actually – crazy like you said if it's your tiebreaker i would i would remove it as your tiebreaker because it's it's crazy to me how bad they suck so of the since the inception of this stuff only 33 all time have ever got in right basically on the last week like this that's it for the entire history 33 total so it's really rare to have it happen you're talking like two per year if that and so when you're naming off you know 10 guys that could be in that range or you'll go look at the report and see it play the guys that you like for sure but i wouldn't really be all over that as your tiebreaker even because it just does it hasn't worked out in the past back to the range couple more guys i forgot to mention like i said and you'll see too of the guys that i do like down here they're pretty much all above 6700 i mentioned hubbard and shank i forgot my boy Ryder. always like playing him in a birdie fest and then of course can't leave out killer keith mitchell bermuda greens gotta love that and then man i don't know if you saw this last week he played round three i believe it was with tiger woods with tiger and beat him and beat him and, beat and played him. a great round. Like he actually yeah. was solid throughout, made no mistake. And Tiger was struggling. So not only are you playing in front of someone you've probably idolized your whole life or the reason you're in the game, uh, you know, back to the, is Corn Colin Morikawa the next Tiger? People got to stop doing that. We're a totally different era. They're the reason. Tiger's the reason these guys are all here. We should be thankful for that and enjoy it because of that. And that's important to me because I think you look at all these guys and, and a couple of people have talked about it. We've got six majors in the next year. 
coming up. It's going to be incredible. We've got all these guys in the mix. It's going to be a new guy, new flavor of the week every week. This guy, we're talking about one week, it's Bryson. Next weekend, it's Rom. Next week, it's JT. It really doesn't matter. Let's just enjoy all of them because they're all great golfers, and it just makes that experience that much better for us. It's bringing more eyes and storylines to the game, which brings more tournaments, GPPs, ways to bet, live betting, all these exciting things we're going to see as time goes on. Good for all of us in the content space as well. Uh, and then back to golf, the, the couple guys, Kenny, that you mentioned that I like was Taylor Gooch. And instead of your Ryan Armour play, I'll give a little Will Gordon love down there just because we've been on him quite a bit in the 7K range as well, and he's popping a little bit for me over here. Yeah, I mean, I think Tiger's the reason there won't be any more Tiger, just because all these sure. kids that have watched him grow up, they know what it takes now to be the best, and that that's why the talent level of these young guys are so strong that no one can jump ahead of anybody else for an extended period of time because everybody is so freaking good. Uh, you know, I mean, you put Tiger in this reign, in this era, he would win a shit ton, but he would not win as much as he did when he played in the early 2000s in his prime, just because the talent level now is so much greater than we have ever seen on the PGA tour. And that's a great thing for us. It, it makes every week great. And, it, it, and it's the reason why I don't think we'll see a player like Tiger Woods ever again, just because the talent level is so strong uh, across the board when it comes. All right. So let's go to our bets, Tambo. Um, Go ahead. So back to the six pack, man. It's uh Rose 22 to one. I got Brendan Todd. Some of these guys that I don't love as much in DFS or I've been playing some of them, but like not all over them, but like you have Rose as a cash game cornerstone. So 22 to one on him, Todd 40, Ryan Moore 45. And then my each way top fives. I got Henley at 55 Redmond at 80 and our boy McNeely at 90. It's he's going to do it. It's going to be McNeely 90 each way top five. I think he's going to get the whole thing though. All right, so I got Rose two. I got twenty to one. Uh, Connors fifty to one. Kisner fifty to one. Redmond sixty six to one. Varner seventy to one. Norlander eighty to one. So that's my six. Who you got in one Ch- and done? Changing up, your strategy. Go? Changing your strategy up. Here we yeah, go. Yeah. Well, it's because this event is is known for a lot of out there winners. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So I'm I not going. He- I'm not going heavy on the shorter guys. Uh, this yeah. week, so I am switching that up. So yeah, no, you I'm- nailed it. I think you hit it, and that's why I was just only going to use that as a segue to bring up that. Yeah, last, I think it was last year and a couple years before that, but not many outside of one twenty-five to one get in and get it done. But but guys like you mentioned, get in and get it done. So yeah, love those picks for one and done. It's pretty. You know, you got Webb as the obvious chalk. Reed Casey would be my pivots up there. You know, Rose if you got him, some someone you can use in that sense. You might never use again. If you want to drop down a little, it's that more Kisner range. And if you want to get random, it's probably Siwoo Kim, who we talked about, right? He's just, when else are you going to use him? He's, he's running hot right now. Of course, he's won at, came fifth last year. Why not give him a whirl at, you know, a, a probably much lower ownership in the one and done as far as who everyone's going to be on and web. Yeah, I like that Siwoo play. I, I might have to steal that from you, but I was thinking Rose or Connors or HV3. I still haven't decided yet, but I, those are the ones that are on my mind for the, uh, for the one and done. All right. We miss anything? Nope. I think we're good, man. Give me another good week. All right. Sounds good. You can find me uh, on Twitter at KendoVT. Uh, hit me up there anytime. I try to reply to whatever DMs and whatever questions you guys have. You can also find me at GupsCorner.com. Uh, you know, I do my course preview, my trends, my stats to look for. I'll do my favorite non-cash game cornerstone cash plays and my favorite bets 
uh, my bets and my favorite bet of the week, which did not go well last week. Answer disappointed me a little bit. I want to answer top 20, uh, and it just faded on the weekend. I thought he had a chance, but it did not come to fruition. Uh, Tab, where can we find you? Yeah, answer was in that lineup of mine too. So that really hurt me also, missing by 1.5 points. Just mm-hmm. throw another birdie in there, Abe. Come I on, know. buddy. We love you. I know, so, right? I know. Yeah, you, you mentioned it, man. Find me on Twitter, at Totag and Tambo. For those who don't have me there, Kenny's a liar. I actually do respond to the DMs. He doesn't. But yeah, t- <laughs> check me out there. He's got a big following, but he, he doesn't want to reply to nobody. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Kenny loves the people. I'm just burying my boy a little bit here. But yeah, other than that, man, at Roto Grinders, talked about it at the top, rotogrinders.com. The podcast is sponsored by Roto Grinders. You can head on over there, rotogrinders.com slash DGEN. Get 10 bucks off the first month, 50 bucks off the first year, whichever you choose. Check out all the core premium offerings and then get all my shows. I do a Monday review show, lineup review. My own review went through the mega this week. It was pretty exciting just to go through and be able to see what everybody else had. And, you know, besides the disappointment in it, it was a good exercise to live and learn and high tuition to pay for a loss. But like I said, we'll get through it and get on to this week. And then I'll have a show tomorrow with Notorious and STL Cards going through the pool. Wednesday, do the lineup HQ show, showing you how to use the optimizer over there. And other than that, let's have a good week. Yeah, I've been watching your shows, and they are in truly impressive on Roto Grinders. So if you haven't checked them out, uh, the shows that Tambo do are really good. It's a lot of knowledge. We're just giving you like a base knowledge in the beginning of the week. You know, all of us do more research as the week goes on. And uh, some of the stuff that Tambo comes up with and all the other hosts on those Roto Grinders shows, it's definitely worth a view. So make sure you go and check that out. All right, so it's the Winter Championship one week before the playoffs start. Can people get in there? Will people go back? We'll see how this goes. Let's win some motherfucking money, DJ Nation. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.